All right, welcome everyone to the X Umbers podcast. Scott McClary, and with me is uh, Schoolman Fawcett, and we are teachers at an online Chesterton Academy, Chesterton Academy of Saint Isidore Learning Center. And this podcast is uh, basically like capturing our classical education style in podcast form for all of you to enjoy. You all get to be part of our digital classroom this way. Uh, so we won't we won't string you along too far here today. We're going to cut right to the chase. Sure. Um, well, well, I have a question for you, though. Oh, you, no I mean, kidding. All right. We're, we're, I guess we will. Whatever time of the year you're listening to this, right now we are in a deep freeze uh, in, a, in a major way. And we've just come out of, uh, well... Our Christmas break, and uh, you know, still which was enjoy. so temperate, yeah, and yeah. the weather was decent yeah. and lovely. So, okay, question for you: what, what was one of the best gifts you got this Christmas? So this will sound trite, yes. but we specifically told our family um, we don't have a very big living space. Okay. I'm going to be honest, we don't, yeah. um, and we have a baby, we have a one year old. Yeah. We don't need, and we're very intentional about what we get our son. Okay. So we told people honestly, yeah. we do not need gifts, <laughs> oh. just. Quality time with you is oh, all yeah. we need. Okay, very nice. So I, I know, so I'm lit- I'm not trying to evade the question by giving a sentimental yep. answer. Yeah. I, I literally didn't get that many gifts by like by design. We asked not. Sure. To. Okay. Uh, so the best gift that I had was that this was the first Christmas that I have. Um, I mean, last Christmas, uh, I, I've been in China for four years prior. Right. Last Christmas, uh, Benedict had just oh, been born, okay. so yeah, I like, right. didn't go out with him very much yeah. or whatever. So this was kind of our, in my mind, this is almost my first Christmas with Benedict in the sense of yeah. like being able to go out with him. And he got to see such snow as there was, right. you know, yeah. and uh, see the family. And he was awake for it, you know, and like in his newborn phase. So that was the, the best gift that I got was uh, the, the time with uh, my family and my in-laws, you know, and my son and my, my wife. You know. Yeah. So, what about yourself, yeah. Dr. McLeod? Well, it's a pair of slippers. So, uh, pair of well, I'm slippers. not going to say that's you know mine's better. But tell me more about well, your. Uh, it, it's just foot m- gear. my hands at work. Uh, generally, I'm wearing shoes, but uh, at work, but at home, I'm not usually wearing shoes inside, and my feet just freeze. Oh. Uh, and so I brought them yesterday to uh, when I visit my mom's house. Even brought them. We had a Bible study in the evening. I brought them. I actually forgot them in the van. But in any case, I had made, intentionally brought them because I didn't want my feet to get cold, you know, inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I just love them because mm-hmm. everywhere I can walk around and it's just comfortable, sure. relaxing, and there's something that just and that energy dissipates from your body mm. uh, into the floor. I don't know. It just um, seems to zap. I the feel life like now you you have a reputation for being the guy who wears a toque indoors. <laughs> yes, um, I'm surprised that that isn't what you're. Why would that be? Yeah. Why why you haven't? Why that isn't yeah. what you strive after? It's too bad. My my grandmother used to. Um, I'm quoting my father here. Okay, this is how he phrased it. She used to knit like a demon. Oh, this okay. <laughs> um, She could turn yeah. things up. Uh, things I didn't know existed, you know, right. um, like, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, uh, an iPad cozy. Oh, yeah. Did you know these exist? Like for I your tablets? You no, can, I, I don't, didn't know that. I, I mean, they do. I mean, if they get too cold, those of you who, you know, use smart devices know they will slow down or sometimes even stop working. Oh, okay. um, so having a container for them, you know, it can be useful. Um, yeah. But yeah, she wouldn't have things like that, like yeah. toques and slippers and so okay. forth. You know, so, so my daughter did receive, uh, one of my daughters, uh, some uh, mitts as well as a toque from a friend. Uh, and so I thought that was uh, quite lovely, uh, in fact. Mm. And so oh, I'm yeah. a little bit jealous as well. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you think how inconsiderate of them? To not, 
Like your daughter needs more warmth for her head, you know. Like she's got a luxurious head of hair, and what about you? You know, what a neglect. Now, our our listeners may be wondering why we're dwelling on this, Doctor McClarney. Are we just killing time until we get to our topic, or is well, this a is cleverly crafted segue? Knitting, knitting is our topic. No uh, at least the, the impetus for our discussion today, and uh, this is something that my kids have gotten into in in, in recent times. Is this this craft of, of knitting? I mean, the, uh, we won't get to all the fine details, but I know there's a difference with crocheting and I'll sure. probably mix this up with weaving and so on. Uh, yeah. B- but, yeah, they're very much into this. I suspect there's a bit of a renaissance of it um, because uh, yeah. shortly, when I first got back from China, okay. before I like got my li- license and was like driving the car and everything, uh, I think it was, uh, would this have been the very last time I took public transit? But I remember mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a young lady in the back who I don't want to profile, but I'm going to predict she was like a college student, like a okay. liberal arts student. Sure. Just had the vibe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you expect everybody's looking at their phones or, or maybe reading a book. Uh, she was knitting. And, uh, she and she didn't have earphones in or anything. You know, yeah. like, she was, that was, that was, all of her attention was dedicated to knitting. Uh, I thought, okay. oh, how which, I thought that must be some sort of countercultural thing, maybe, right? Oh, um, but interesting. Uh, makes me wonder, especially based on what we're going to discuss today, if maybe there's a bit of a, uh, uh, kind of a rejection of, you know, like yep. uh, corporate products of clothing and maybe want to get back more into that. Um, so, I, I, yeah, your daughters are not necessarily alone. Yeah. I think that is because that there is something of a, you know, movement that direction. Yeah, and even just the way to spend your time, I suppose. You know, if you have some downtime. Uh, sure, you, instead you of pulling out the phone. And yeah, just, and getting plugging in. and mm-hmm. now you're, just just, consu- you're not just consuming, you're actually producing yeah. something. And producing something that's of... Um, Tangible use, you know, for, for, and generally for someone, maybe you might sell it, but generally someone you know, uh, right? Who's, sure. who's giving us a gift for Christmas? Yeah, or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. if in order to figure out, you know, more about this skill, they went to the library. I mean. Hmm. Where else would you go? I suppose. Well, there's a lot of places. There's the case. internet. There's but a, again, yeah. So they decide they're going to the local library. Sure. Yeah. And um, my daughter Augustina is 10 years old, and so. Uh, it, okay, well, why'd you pick this one, uh, this this particular book? And uh, she picked it up. Well, it just, Dad, it had lots of pictures in it. I said, well, that makes sense. It does. It's very love, beautifully not illustrated because they're photographs. But yeah, it looks nice. It's a very nice looking book. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, I think we'll, we're going to call this the the knitting book. And, and an allusion to <laughs> the abolition of man, about which we recently did a three part podcast. Uh, yeah. That one is cryptically called the Green Book, and we are a little less creative. <laughs> Yeah. Than Doctor Lewis, <laughs> we're gonna call this the knitting book. The knitting a real book. stroke of genius, yeah. yeah. And what I mean, there's um, two elements that caught my attention. One is in the title, has to do with self care. Yes. And then I just you know, Dad checking things out a little bit, went and read the first uh, bit of the book and, mm-hmm. and perused it and checked out the introduction. Mm. Now. Um, here I uh, maybe I'll just jump in and quote from the introduction here. Oh, you're really obscuring this book for the sake of. <laughs> well, well, and and here it was um, written. I, I, I believe it was just during COVID or after. The it was movie. recent, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, during the riots in the United States and so forth in 2020. Yeah, and uh, here the, there's this, a few lines um, as it starts out. Uh, this is a time of unrest, a great unlearning. Racism, the patriarchy, heteronormativity, the gender binary are systems of inequality designed to disconnect us from each other, from our hope, creativity, and power. We just, we must dismantle them, brick by brick. By, for every generation, past and future, love and determination are the connective threads woven through each of our communities as we work to change laws, redistribute funds, and invest at the grassroots level to create equality among us. 
We are strong, growing, learning, searching as we become powerfully, daringly free. This is, now, this is where you kind of look back at the cover of the yeah. book and you'll be like, I grabbed the right... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought there was a book about knitting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so there is a there is a pun in there, right, about uh, it, the threads, threads woven together. Yeah, about justice and love or whatever. Yeah, but. as we work to change our laws and redistribute funds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. Exactly, yeah. Uh, now, could not help but make direct connections back to the Communist Manifesto. There's a specter haunting Europe, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, here is um, just the opening lines. Uh, mm. you know, the second line are so in, uh, just like in the knitting book. Uh, Mark says, uh, all of history is hitherto, uh, is the history of class struggle. Mm. Uh, and it's a freeman slave, uh, uh, patrician pleban, lord serf, mm-hmm. uh, guildmaster and journeyman, and in a word, oppressor and oppressed. oppressed yeah. uh, so there's this constant you know, opposition that they studied, and uh, it's uninterrupted, now uh, hidden, now open fight, a fight uh, each time ended, either in revolutionary reconstitution of society at large or in the common ruin of the contending classes. And this is the um, mythological axis on which the manifesto then uh, uh, unfurls. Uh, and it's a, a brilliant uh, tactic on, on Marx's part uh-huh. of drawing his readers into this epic yes. struggle, almost like the scrawl on episode four or something of, <laughs> of A New Hope where there's this uh, titanic struggle in the galaxy, yeah. uh, right? Mm-hmm. And you must uh, join uh, mm-hmm. forces with us uh, in, in, in our um, ambitious uh, ambitions, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and so... Um, I couldn't help but think how the there's some, some connections here. Now, I always uh, caution my students when we get through um, uh, socialism and so forth in our philosophy class. Uh, don't call everything communism. <laughs> everything you don't agree yes. with. Yes. It's, it's kind of a um, catch-all phrase. Yeah. You just put in this big bucket. Anything you don't really like, just throw it communism, in. Communism, if, if you're on the right, it's communism. If you're on the left, it's fascism. Anything you don't like is, is under that umbrella. Yeah. And, and then you just tidy Thinking up. done today. Exactly. Yes. We've, we've solved our problems. Yes. And, and so here, uh, reading closely, I mean, we were talking about in this the knitting book, Redistribution of Funds, and unraveling in this mm. um, talking about well, your gender binary systems but you know the system of oppressed oppressor mm-hmm. and is this this confluence of uh, we can call it post-marxist i think we can safely post-marxist. call this yeah. post-marxist yeah. Yes. I, I think more technical even it's um, think of it in hegelian because so, so if we want to back up a step and maybe some of our listeners are not as familiar with hegel but um so for hegel everything is this march of history there's mm-hmm. thesis antithesis synthesis mm-hmm. and, and Marx is a young Hegelian or a left-wing Hegelian that's, and that's a formal title young Hegelian that's like right that's, yeah. yeah and so he, he was um, enamored with much of Hegel um, mm. except for his metaphysics uh, well I mean a small exception there but uh, okay. so his whole system he thought needed to be turned on its head uh, and that's what he hoped to do with Hegel and instead of having this transcendent uh, destiny for humanity with the, with the Geist, uh, instead it's the um, material uh, dialectic. It's a materialistic uh, conflict history which is going to unfurl uh-huh. in pure communism. That That's the mm-hmm. end game yeah. mm-hmm. when it comes uh, to Marxism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, for Marx, the solution is simple. Uh, we need to overthrow uh, the proletariat, well, the proletariat rather needs to overthrow the bourgeoisie, rise yeah, up. Yeah, the oppressed needs to overthrow the That's oppressor. Right. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then we will surely but inevitably usher in the utopia. Sure. Yeah. And, and so 
when you read a book and opening one like this, uh, where you see, if only we can, uh, well, casting this this um, uh, collision course uh, between uh, oppressed and oppressor, mm. uh, and so you need to be on this particular, the right side, we might say, of history and of knitting uh, as you go, and this will solve all of our problems, mm. and we will uh, cast out. Um, all that has plagued us yeah. in, in, in the civilization and mm-hmm. so on. Yeah, and I'm going to... And I did try to read, actually, as much of this book as I could. Yeah. While I, so I'm, I, if I misinterpret this author, I'm, I apologize. But like, if you're sitting there going, well, that's all really interesting. That's definitely why I clicked on this podcast about knitting was to hear about Hegel. I'm gonna, yeah. Here's, here's yeah. what I get. Here's what I think the connective, the connective tissue. Ooh, here, here's okay. the threads that yes. are weaving these together, yeah. I think, right? Part... Obviously, all these summaries are not going to do things justice, but you know, part of what Marx is saying, a big part of it, is uh, man is a species, you know, humanity, we're, we're species, uh, how does he phrase it? Like, essentially, we're, we're laboring species. Like, Engels, oh, yeah. even, Engels even has like a, oh. a book on evolution yeah, where he yeah, kind of yeah, posits yeah. that like, we evolved the way we did because we labor, right? Because oh, yeah, we yeah. had to produce tools. We, you know, right. we, we're productive by nature because it's the only way we can survive, right? Yep. Um, however, because uh, as employees, Right, employees of a system, and for, actually, for that matter, managers and you know bosses to some extent, we don't actually own the things we produce. Right, right? like yes. you work at Subway. Uh, this was an example one of my philosophy profs once used. Oh, they call okay. them sandwich artists, but a oh. you can't actually like have any control over what kind of sandwich you make, right. following rules. And when you make that sandwich, you can't just eat it yourself. Uh-huh. Um, you, yeah. you have to give it, and the profits that come from it, you don't actually control. Oh, okay. You get you get a cut of them, right? So yeah. you sort of indirectly whatever benefit a tiny cut, uh, but you don't. So essentially. The work of your own hands you don't own, right. which is which is unnatural, right? If a, if a little kid is playing in the mud and he builds a little castle and someone else comes and takes it from him, instinctively he'll say that's mine, yeah. and it's mine because he put his he mixed it with his labor. It's like John Locke, right? Yeah. Uh, and yet, uh, so you know, Marx is very Lockean in this sense. So part of the whole point of the proletariat or the oppressed rising up and taking over is because now you can regain control over your right. own work. Like you own what you've made. Uh, you know, it's an expression of you again. How this would, and you know, of course, he's a little vague because <laughs> he says that's the point. We don't know what it would be yet. The, the dictatorship of the proletariat work itself out, but right, it would probably be it probably. I mean, he compares it to the Paris Commune. It'd be like uh, the cooperatives. Yeah. Who, you know, I mean, it'd be like a democratically run businesses where everyone kind of has a say, or like self-run businesses instead of you working for uh, a boss. You know, instead yeah. of a. So, what does this have to do with knitting? I think it goes back to what I was saying about the. Uh, Again, if I had to guess, the left-leaning liberal arts girl I saw on the bus, right? Instead of working for the capitalist machinery, you're knitting something yourself. So you're immediately, uh, you're not going through some kind of uh, technical bureaucracy. You don't have to use a machine that was produced by a big corporation. Right. You, you make it yourself. You share it with your community. You have ownership of it. it yes. you know, it's a true expression of yourself. It's the labor of your own hands. And then you can wear it, too. Yeah. So, again, w- rather than wearing clothes that uh, have some brand name on it somewhere, and maybe were made yeah. in a way you morally disapprove of, right, in a sweatshop somewhere in, in the third world, um, it's, it's only you, right? It's only you imprinted on it or something like that. Yeah. And of course, the book is called, it it's a, deals with self-care, yeah. right? self-expression. So, and, and you know, you could, it, I will say this, it's easy to maybe look at this and say, wow, that's a whole lot of political theory to incorporate into a, a book on a hobby like knitting. But, you know, I think really even a book on uh, the joy of cooking, there's, there's a political subtext to that. 
right? Sure. Like, yeah. oh, you must be someone who has a kitchen and you're cooking for yourself and, oh, you're busy at work. How do I cook something? How do I make quick and easy meals so that I can sustain myself and still uh, have time to go to work and do all right. the corporate stuff I have to do? You know, there's, yeah. there's arguably political undercurrents to all these kinds sure. of things. So, yeah. so fair enough. So, uh, and this particular author is a, uh, as they say, a woman of color, a queer woman of color, yeah. right? Uh, and so for her, this is a, it seems to be a very, um, there's, there's a real sense of ownership of it. She's rejecting, like I said, the patriarchy and capitalism right. and taking, and, and knitting is a means of uh, taking control of that, you know? Yes. So what do we, uh, what, what do we think of that? Well, I mean, certainly um, some of the, um, what do we uh, goals there are noble. Uh, you see mm-hmm. this in, in Marx as well. Uh, but uh, alienation is is one of yes, the problems. Yes, that's with, what I ought to have said. Uh, yes, uh, with with production in that we're alienated uh, from ourselves. We become uh, we're alienated from ourselves. Yeah. We become alienated from our labor. We become alienated from one another. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. through um, surplus uh, labor, or sorry, a uh, value with uh, mm-hmm. excess production, which other people yeah. take advantage mm-hmm. of, and so on. Uh, and so. Uh, here, uh, th- that's one thing that I, um, th- the desire to avoid that, and it, which is a fundamentally um, mm. a, a biblical notion, right, of, of wanting to be restored mm-hmm. uh, to our uh, pristine state or, or to what we've been intended to be made. Uh, that's one of them. Uh, another thing that I appreciate about the book is uh, <laughs> the discipline. So it, it, there, there's a number of steps. I mean, you have the... Um, the, the philosophical uh, jargon that that precedes uh-huh. some of the chapters, but then it gets into what you have to do, and it's not necessarily easy. Uh, yes, and, and mm-hmm. so there's a certain rigor, uh, and and that's that's required here for any student yes. who, want, who wants to get involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that a bit as well is kind of well, if, if we don't. Uh, uh, we call it now. There's uh, when you graduate, you can uh, high school, you can take a bachelor's, and there's another program called a master's, mm-hmm. uh, which. Uh, implies uh, before you do that you're an apprentice uh so to gain mastery over an art it requires a certain humility Mm. uh, a a submission if you would like uh to the discipline uh to the rules and regulations that Mm -hmm. have been set forth and embrace of them uh Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so this is not uh so there's a certain adversity that one needs to overcome Mm -hmm. in order to realize this Uh, Mm. so I, i think that 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 also can be um you know, something to just draw well, for. Chesterton and T.S. Eliot uh, both kind of talk about this. Lots of other writers do, too. But, you know, poetry is a form of self-expression. It can be a very, very personal and intimate form of self-expression. Yeah. Um, but paradoxically, you're, uh, it's better for that if you follow the rules. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, it's Eliot's piece, um, Tradition and the Individual Talent. Right? You actually need to be immersed in the tradition to know what the rules are. That actually gives you the, vo- the kind of vocabulary and the mental equipment you need right. to express yourself. I mean, C.S. Lewis, I think what he says is um, don't try to be original because yeah. then you'll fail and you'll be boring. Try okay. to be true yeah. and you'll accidentally be original in the process usually. <laughs> you know? right. um, yes. And this is interesting because in the, in the introduction of the book, the author says something to the effect of like, be gentle with yourself or like be merciful to yourself. Yeah. Like if you, yeah. if you mess up, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and there's an element of like value to that, right? Like you yeah. want to be patient as a teacher with your student. And you know, if you're teaching yourself something, you'd be patient with yourself. Yeah. Um, but for how much yeah. there's about self-expression, there are also rules. Yeah. Like and you've got to master those rules, as, you know, master as you said, yeah. so that you can actually engage in the self-expression and self-healing and self-care. So there's a sense in which you have to be, you have to transcend yourself, and adhere to an external standard. And then the better you are at that, 
Uh, in fact, you know, as, as they also say, uh, you can break the rules once you know what the rules are. Right. Eli- yes. Eliot did this, of course, sure. himself in yeah. his own poetry, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, an interesting thing. Now, now, the question I kind of would have is, um, who makes those rules? Ah, oh, right, right. Which, and then this comes into, I guess, some of the problematic uh, elements of the um, uh, philosophical take or assumptions. Uh, mm-hmm. is, I mean, one would be, um, it's directed towards, and now this is, I guess, paradoxical, but uh, the self. Uh, right, so it's not mm-hmm. the society necessarily, but it's about self-care. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so then that becomes uh, the, the um, how would you say it? narcissistic? Yes. Uh, in, in in that sense, in that lens, like what am I doing this for, and so on. Uh, uh, another bit is the um, a, a caution <laughs> in adopting this kind of uh, um, philosophical assumption is that the magic bullet approach. If only mm. we adopt this, yes. then all these mm-hmm. isms will yeah. be rectified. Uh, if only we adopt this program, mm-hmm. uh, then all this um, racism, patriarchy, heteronormativity, and all this, um, all this will be solved, and we will usher in mm-hmm. a new era, a mm-hmm. new kingdom. Um, yeah. And so th- this... Um, so eschatol, uh, immunitizing the eschaton, as they say, yes. Mm-hmm. And we, so if... Then again, it comes back to the question, okay, well, who's cate- on whose categories? Who's been, this is the one thing um, you should point out with the students is when you hear someone talking about um, progress or uh, uh, the right side of history or, or so, sort of, mm. I was like, well, that's a Hegelian. Those are Hegelian yes. terms. Um, and uh-huh. with Hegel, the, uh, the thing that usually raises flags for some students is, uh, well, wh- how does history culminate? Well, for him. It's with himself, yeah. <laughs> uh, the self, and then or the Prussian state. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, and so everything's been building up to this, and now it's reached perfection. Yeah. You know. So the question arises: Well, yeah, okay, there there is a history, there is a destiny that we we share, but who's deciding and wh- who's who's the arbiter of, of what we're going? So that's mm-hmm. always a question to be asking. Mm. Who's, who's as opposed to the Christian Catholic perspective, where the the end game is the the second coming, right? Kingdom come. And right. that, that, that determines whether you're on the right side or not. Ah, yes. And, 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 but there, it's not something that we can determine. Exactly, uh, yes. This, mm-hmm. is, this is the prerogative, uh, the initiative belongs with mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, and, and so, okay, um, your thought might be interesting. Uh, you, 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 sure. Well, we'll connect this a little bit yeah, to the Bible and weaving. Yeah, and, that's right. Well, when you first drove me this, my, you know, I, I, I was thinking about uh, people are going to wonder, well, what does this have to do with classical education? Well, first of all, the classical education... As we understand it, it means reading the great books so you can understand what's going on, and yeah. you've just made some lovely connections there. Um, cl- classical education can also mean, like, how did we used to educate in, in say, the Middle Ages? And a lot of people, in, in my experience, in, who in, are into classical education, they know a lot about the liberal arts, right? Or they know a little bit, right? Which we've discussed before as well. There's the, yeah. thri- the trivium uh, yeah. of grammarologic rhetoric. Uh, which is to do with words, and then there was the quadrivium, the mathematical-based ones, where it's arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy, uh, about which I'd love to talk more later, because uh, I've been doing some reading about Boethius yeah. and arithmetic lately. Nice. Yeah. Um, but, and those were seen as like the, the summit, kind of, the, you know, these were the highest arts you could study. But at the same time, this is being uh, formulated, this is, uh, we've discussed this before, around 1215, right? University of Paris, the Pope gives approval to it and everything. Yeah. Uh, Hugh of St. Victor, you know, Augustine already laid the foundation for this in his uh, De Doctrina Christina, right? Like, um, there's pagan learning and we have to steal yep. this gold for God, yep. basically, right? Uh, yep. Well, in the Middle Ages, they start doing it, right? And Hugh of St. Victor has the Didascalion, which is kind of like his outline of what, like, a Christian curriculum would be. And he says there's not just um, seven liberal arts, there's also seven uh, servile arts. Right. right? Yep. Practical arts. 
and again, servile, it sounds like demeaning. And, and to some extent, they, they thought it was lower. But, it, but also um, in the same way that uh, I guess eat, the stomach is lower than the brain or the heart. You know, sure. like it, it's not as noble, but you couldn't do everything else without you its still functions. It. Yeah. Exactly, yes. And um, he, so he lays these out. And then we have further uh, someone who, about whom we did a whole podcast uh, St. Bonaventure has his commentary on all these liberal arts in, on the reduction of the arts to theology, where he thinks the liberal arts lead back to theology, uh, but so also do these servile arts, that actually ah. they, they come forth from God, and properly interpreted, they lead back to God. Okay, so if I understand uh, correctly here, then um, we're saying this all this learning, whether it's the liberal arts, servile arts, not only do they come from God, they emanate from God, but they're drawing us then back towards our destiny. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. And, like, and like I said in that episode, for Bonaventure, this both refutes the people who say, uh, let's just pray and read the Bible and not do anything else or study anything else. It also refutes those who say, well, these have nothing to do with God. Okay, so, right. all right, tell me then, weaving, how is this leading yeah, to Yeah, weaving, so God? that is, that's one of these seven, also called mechanical arts. Yeah. Uh, we got weaving, metalworking, architecture, agriculture, hunting, navigation, medicine, and dramatic art. As we said before, metalworking as shop class, uh, and hunting actually included cooking. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, weaving is one of them, for sure. And, and again, keeping in mind, this was at the time, just to give it a bit of context, where, uh, and uh, Zachary Hayes talks about this in his introduction to his translation of Bonaventure's Reduction of the Arts to Theology. Uh, not only is there a university, but there's also this new thing called, like, the guild economy. Oh, right? okay. You know, you had the Roman economy was slave-based, and then they collapse, and, like, not only do you have a new kind of political system, but you have a new moral system, which is Christianity. So instead mm. of slavery, yep. it's trying to be more communal, you know? Right. You mentioned uh, getting a master's degree, right? right. Well, that was yeah. the way the guilds worked, right? It was in communities, right? They, 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 you know, all the weavers, for example, got together and they formed this kind of clique or this kind of group where um, if you were outside of this group, you couldn't practice it. No. And if you were in the group, you, uh, there was a sense of loyalty to it. You had to help each other right. out. You had to train each other. Yeah. You were an apprentice until you could produce a masterpiece that showed right. you were ready to become a master. And then, okay. you, had, uh, then you were allowed to be kind of uh, a business owner. You know, so there wasn't this distinction okay, between so labor and capital. Piece, is that where masterpiece comes from? That is my so understanding. That's, yeah, that's, that's the origin of it. which you produced. That, that apparently that was, that was like you your, um, well, no that was, that was like your thesis. Or, you know, or your, your uh, what you call um, final, what do you call yeah, those yeah, final yeah, dissertation, project, then, yeah. dissertation, or, senior, senior or capstone, 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 capstone yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's my understanding of the history there. So, yeah, yeah, uh, nice. so if, if you wanted to find classical education that way, these mechanical arts are actually part of classical education, and right. that's uh, you know an interesting conversation in its own right. But like I said, Bonaventure, and I, and I referred to this uh, kind of before uh, in our episode, uh, talks about well, he, he links metal, uh, what do you call armor making and weaving. Right. Together, as yeah. they're they're both about creating shelter, uh, and again for yeah. him, our armor making represents all kind of working with metal. Yep. Um, so that's with hard materials. It's uh, metal working or it's armor yep. making, uh, which I, I kind of love that idea that like um, your car is like your armor, or right. something. You know yes. what I mean? Or sure, sure. But if it's with soft material, then it's weaving. So for him, right. knitting would also be also my clothing. Obviously, is a different type of armor. Sure, than, sure. Than my car, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And um, and and to make another point about this guild thing, I should mention as well, it doesn't just begin in the Middle Ages because if you happen to have the NRSV translation of the Bible, uh, you'll read it in First okay. Chronicles twenty uh, four, verse twenty one. It's listing off uh, all of you know. It's doing first, this first genealogical Chronicles thing. 4, verse first Chronicles uh, okay. chapter four, verse twenty one. It's talking about okay. Judah. Yeah. And it's giving this whole genealogy. And, you know, it's easy yeah. to gloss over those, sure. but it's worth stopping sometimes. Yeah. Verse 21 talks about the sons of Shelah, son of Judah. And uh, there's Ur, father of Lecha, 
Lada, father of Marisha, and the families of the Guild of Linen Workers at oh, Beth Sheba. So, so there was some kind of, of linen workers. Well, it's translated differently. Some of them yeah. say the families of the House of Linen Workers. I got the, you know, uh, the Bible Hub here. Yeah. Families of the Guild of Linen Workers. Families of the House of Them that wrought fine linen. So there's various ways of translating it. Right. But it does seem like it's it's a family for sure. There's something like right. uh, genealogical about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, Ellicott's commentary, which is again here on Bible Hub, says... Uh, such industries, like weaving, in ancient times were confined to hereditary guilds, which jealously guarded their methods and trade secrets. So, right. it's, yeah. again, like I mentioned, it's a monopoly, but it's also something that's very, it's almost like a, a piece of wisdom, like a hidden piece of almost Gnostic wisdom, right? Yeah, yeah. Shared among this group, right? Yeah, and you'll see, you'll see that in other areas, too, like uh, music would be a good example. So, sure. So if you try to pick up an instrument, well... Good luck, unless someone apprentices. Sure, you, yeah, right? yeah. So you have these music guilds too, where they kind of guard their right, uh, their, yeah, knowledge their trade secrets. secrets yeah, so uh, something almost like literal of the Freemasons, almost. You know, right? right. Masons. There's like sure. architectural element yeah. to it. Now, uh, we're not here to say whether the guilds were like the best economic model possible, oh, or, right, but right. but there is a sense there that this is something that's kind of privileged and special, and it's sure you're part of a tradition, right? right. right? Uh, and by being initiated into this tradition, it's not about self care or self expression, or at least not primarily. It's yeah. about you're carrying on something that's meaningful, that's bigger than yourself, that's inherited, you know? Yeah. Um, and I get the sense there's a little bit of that in this knitting book, by the way. Because, again, she sort of sees this as, like, as a woman of color, you know, she's, she's kind of taking something back, right? This activity that women of color used to do, right, in, say, Africa. Um, but, again, none, so not only is this something that's bigger than yourself because it belongs to this human tradition, but Bonaventure thinks it goes even higher than that, Right. So I, I, I've bolded a few sections here that I'll just, sec, uh, from Reduction of the Arts to Theology. He says, uh, he's talking about the artisan. So the artisan, someone who makes, like a weaver, uh, proceeds from an idea in the mind, right? You imagine something, and then you create an external work that's as close to that as possible. Right. In like manner, we understand that every creature has proceeded from the Most High, and even prior to that, uh, and so there's some similarity, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but even before that, the Son, the Word, proceeds from the Father eternally, and He's the perfect image of the Father. Right. And the Incarnation is a perfect image of that as okay. well. So every time we create, this is like the Tolkien subcreation, sub-creation right? right? Where yes. there's some kind of participation in God, or, or an analogy at least to God's uh, creative activity. Yep. Let's go back to uh, your daughter, right? Got this yep. wonderful gift, right? Um, Bonaventure says, Every artisan aims to produce a work that is beautiful, useful, and enduring. Something, you know, nice looking, practical, and it'll last. So it, it's got to look nice. You don't want it to be too gaudy, necessarily. You yeah. want it to um, be comfortable, right? And you don't want it to fall apart right away, you know? Right, yeah. Um, he says, we see three parallel elements in the pattern of life, right? We want to live beautiful, radiant lives. We also want to be useful to God and to others, right? Yeah. It's like the book of Philemon, right? You know, yeah. he's useful to you in a new way now that he's become a Christian. Yeah. And enduring, like... You know, we've got to uh, take a licking and keep on ticking, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, we've yes. got to have some, uh, you know, that, that uh, virtue of fortitude, basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, so in, in weaving something beautiful or knitting something beautiful, that's also an image of the moral life. We should be weaving our own lives that way. And then finally, uh, every artisan who fashions a work does so in order to derive praise, benefit, or delight from it, um, which corresponds to the appetites, the objects of the appetites, a noble good, a useful good, and an agreeable good. And it's for those three reasons that God made the soul rational, so that it might praise God, serve God, and find delight in God. Okay. So that kind of desire. Now, again, we're, so, you've written things, you've taught things. Yeah. It does feel good to like know you did a good job or hear good right. feedback. You know, yeah. that's not, and that's not 
that's not just self-care or narcissism. There's something healthy about that. Right. You know, you want, like, or it can, or it should be in, it, in its in, inception, right? And for Bonaventure, that desire is actually ultimately a reflection of the soul's desire to be united to God. Right. right. And, and that feeling of kind of warm satisfaction knowing you blessed somebody, because you make a connection to somebody. I'm sure, sure yeah. you know, if you knit something and you give it as a gift and they like it, like there's a, conne- you know, there's a, a connection sac- of souls a sac- there, a sacramentality. Right? Yeah, exactly. There's a sacramentality, yeah. which ultimately preface, uh, prefigures uh, our connection to God. Yeah. And so this is, this is in the air. Bonaventure saying this at the same time the guilds, including the weaving guilds, are going on. So there's, again, the sense that it's, this is something um, that's to be protected uh, not only for economic reasons, but because there's something spiritual and transcendent about right. it. Yeah. And I think that's why it's, that's where it's part of classical education, ultimately. And I get the sense that someone like this author can tell there's something spiritual, yeah. but doesn't quite have the vocabulary for it. Right. Or, or the mental, um, yeah. the philosophical uh, tools to express that, you know. Yeah. So now it says, well, it's self-care. It makes you feel good. Um, well, let's press that further. <laughs> I think a good yeah. classical education would uh, have probably classes in all of these uh, mechanical arts. Um, but understanding that the goal of it is that kind of transcendent contemplation and love of God and neighbor. You know? Right. Yeah. So, so when next time you're knitting, <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. it, this is something that... Um, is uh, you're producing something that will endure, uh, mm-hmm. something that has a particular purpose, a design, mm-hmm. and also something that's not just connected in the materialistic sense of, of what mm-hmm. you're producing, uh, enduring, and so on, but connecting now to serving, praising God mm-hmm. in the action uh, mm-hmm. it, it, itself. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's um, a, a cosmic act <laughs> yeah. in, in, in that sense, right, of, of, of what you're engaging it's in. It's theurgical, you could say, right? right. Or it's like yeah. A, yeah, sacramental, you know. Yeah. And I think it's a good model for those of us who don't always get a chance to work with our hands. Uh, it's like, why, again, why people pick up these hobbies because we don't live on farms anymore. So yeah. um, while it's nice that it can be recreational, sometimes when you're, for example, teaching in an online school, it can all feel a little, a little abstract, you know. Right. Yes. Um, but to view your work, whether that's writing a poem or uh, teaching a lesson or writing a book or, you know, something that's more abstract, thinking of it the same way uh, Bonaventure would talk about weaving, uh, it's pretty valuable, you know. <laughs> is, yeah. this, is this uh, producing beauty? Is this, am I saying something that's enduring? Um, is that the effect I'm having on myself when I'm producing this? I and mean, is this yeah. an effect on my hearers? Uh, even, again, even if it's making a presentation for a board meeting or something. Right. Yeah. If you're not able to do that, uh, maybe you need to find another job, right. <laughs> or work yeah. somewhere else. You well, know. sign of vocation. Yeah. Certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's interesting uh, reflections prompted by this. Like I said, uh, you know, reading it in the light of the tradition, uh, I think, is uh, helpful. And uh, again, it's easy to look at a lot of this and kind of um, scoff or criticize, but uh, it's probably better, more valuable to do that and also say, "But here's the germ that's true, and here's what we can let's water that. Let's water that with truth." Absolutely. Uh, and produce, and ultimately, someone should really produce their own, like a classical education guide to knitting. Yeah. Uh, right, for people right. like your daughters who sure. <laughs> want to pick this up yeah. in. A, oh, that, that's you. Let us know. A non-Hegelian. Uh, yeah, let us know. Yeah. We will. We'll uh-huh. we'll have you on the show. We'll promote your book. You know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Did you want to add or conclude with anything uh, else? Well, I mean, the one thing that comes to mind is you're speaking there in terms of the circle arts is uh, St. Paul, uh, right? So the tent maker, yes. And so this is obviously a, um, a very specialized uh, profession, that trade that, he, that he's um, engaging in, which is not... Um, I guess uh, entirely superfluous to to mm-hmm. his ministry in yep. that sense. Um, I mean, not to make um, I mean, 
think of it too metaphorically as he's uh, tenting or weaving together the faith or, oh, or, sure, or, yeah. the, or the New Testament. Oh, that's been, that connection's uh, been made. Yeah, he's right. building the house of God. Right, you know. yeah. And so this is a, a profound, and you think of the domestic church, right? If you're making something for a family member or something like that, uh, right? Your, mm-hmm. your, um, your, your the domicile, right, is, uh, yeah. uh, is, is being enhanced, right? Well, and if I remember correctly, and I really ought to have double-checked this before we turn this camera on, but in the uh, Proto-Evangelium of James, I believe okay. Mary is weaving the, te- um, the temple veil. Oh, is that right? If okay. I remember correctly, we should yeah. maybe do a follow-up on this, but from what yeah. I remember of that, um, there's a story about how somehow she gets that assignment to kind of repair the temple veil. So she's weaving yeah. it as she hears. And you see it in some icons. Okay. I'm pretty sure I'm not making this up. Yeah. But you'll yeah. see her kind of sewing uh, when okay. the angel appears yeah. to her to reveal that she... And so there, um, that, that may have happened. But yeah. it's obviously there's also a layer of... Uh, the, Hebrews makes this connection, right? The veil is the, uh, the yes. skin, the flesh of Christ, right? It's being yeah. woven together. And of course here in First Chronicles, the guild of weavers are from Judah. Right. The descendants of Judah, right? So yeah. it's like they're preparing this house for God, this temple, right, in which the word can come in tabernacle ultimately. So if you look at it even that way, those of you who do want to get into knitting, seeing that Marian aspect of it, right, of it being a contemplative act, you know, and a theological act is, uh, I think, beautiful and enriching, you know? Uh, and but, absolutely, yes. And then as you provide uh, some fine wear for, for others, it's. Uh, um, Helpful uh, for others who are in this um, earthen vessel, mm-hmm. uh, earthen vessels that we we are we are living in. It, again, you, you mentioned as well, but uh, connecting to um, well, the incarnation, yeah. uh, right? Mm-hmm. Who tents amongst us? Yeah. Our, our tabernacles uh, you can translate either way, mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's the whole idea, right? Yeah, Is that and then yeah. so you're enhancing the the temple of of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. which which each of us uh, possess. So. Should do an episode on that probably evangelium of James. We should do we should do some episodes on like uh, early patristic uh, Christian texts. I think yeah, D- dust yeah. off that doctorate of yours. And sure, uh, sure. Some of those. Yeah, because yeah, now you're making me want to revisit it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and look up some of those images. So, anyways, yeah. well, maybe I think we could probably leave it there Absolutely, uh, yes. for today. Do, do you want to conclude with a prayer for us? Sure, absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the gift of um, clothing. Uh, as we go through this very cold uh, period. Uh, We're very grateful for the shelter that we have and for those who prepare that shelter, whether that's our homes or our heating uh, or the clothes on our back that keep us warm. Um, So we we give thanks to you, Lord, for human ability to create those. Uh, And we ask, Lord, that in all our works and all our acts of creation, we would uh, have your glory foremost in our minds, that we would do everything out of love of yourself and love of our neighbors. and may we always be drawn back to this principle uh, whenever we endeavor any work, to undertake any work. Glory be to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, as, as it was, was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world without, without end. end. Amen. Amen. Father, Son.